Hello, I'm Matt Richter, and this is Truth and Learning, and I'm here with the greatest, the most stupendous, the fabulous, the genial, the, well, epiphanous, Will Tallheimer. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. Good. I'm Anything? thrilled. You, know, you are? I'm th- well, that's we, new. We, we have a new guest on today. We do. We have the great Gary DePaul joining us. And if you don't know who Gary is, well, then you're, well, frankly, an ignoramus. And we will talk more with Gary and we'll introduce him properly in a few minutes. But, but Will, anything new going on? Uh, is there any kind of announcement or is there anything coming up that we, we should share with the three listeners we have? LDA, the Learning Development Accelerator. Uh, well, at the conference that you and I co-hosted this summer, uh, people liked it. And at the end, they said, you guys have to continue this community. And so you and I have thought about that. Can we do this? Should we do this? Is this good for the country? Is this good for the world? And we decided, yes, we should go ahead. And uh, we're bringing people together. We're going to be making a big announcement about that coming very shortly. And in between our last show and this show, we made a little announcement about it, but uh, uh, we will continue to grow the information flow uh, as we move forward. So, but we do have some pretty amazing people who have been joining the leadership team for this. And we will share that information with you as well in the coming days and weeks. So we have that. Uh, in this episode, we are not going to do our usual banter and fooling around because we want to spend as much time with Gary DePaul as we can. Our topic is leadership and specifically leadership development. Uh, where, and we're going to look at whether leadership development is indeed a waste of time and money. Should we bother? Should we do it? Are we even talking about the right things? Gary DePaul is an author. He's a performance consultant. He's a researcher, and he's an expert in all things leadership and management. He has put out one of the great books called The Nine Practices of 21st Century Leadership, and he has his most recent book, which I love, called What the Heck is Leadership? So, Gary, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is great. And actually, one of the things that Gary is doing, which I don't think Gary... Uh, is very well known for doing, but he, along with Guy Wallace, have been putting together a treasure chest of content and information called HPT Treasures, Human Performance Technology Treasures. What is that? Yeah, it's it's a website where we try to capture all the archetypes, all the archived files, whether they're videos or articles, stuff that that you probably could not find on your own and putting it all in one central place and you could go there, get whatever. There's more than, last time I checked, there was more than 600 items in our repository. If you want to find out who the late Roger Kaufman is, you can go there and view a nice write-up that Guy Wallace did on the blog, and you can read some of his articles that he's allowed us to share with everyone for free to use uh, however you please, except for resale, of course. 
That's great. That's great. It is. And, and actually will, uh, and I are part of the blogging team for, uh, for that as well, as well as Tiagi and, and so forth. So, so we're all excited to be a part of that and, and boy, has it been informative for us. So thank you, Gary. And thank so, you for mentioning it. Well, we thought we would spend an entire episode on leadership because as many know, Will and I argue incessantly about this topic. What is it? Uh, what do we do with it? And how do you even think about it? And so we thought we'd have you come on and, well, mediate. Uh, a... <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> so why don't we take a step back and actually talk about what is leadership and what are we talking about contextually when we ultimately discuss leadership development? What, is, what Gary, what is leadership? Yeah, I really like a blog that you did, not a blog, but a post you did on LinkedIn where you talked about this. And Tiagi, I think, captured it when he said that leadership, the meaning of leadership is so idiosyncratic that it could mean a lot of things to different people. So that's- Yeah, it's a Rorschach test, right? Yeah. And, and, and there's, a, there's actually some reason behind it because the meaning of leadership has changed over time. Let me throw this term out, a, a, a definition out for you. The art of getting people, or let me rephrase that, the art of getting stuff done through people. I, when I was in graduate school, that's what I thought leadership was. It actually is the definition by Mary Parker Follett of management. Let that sink in. So when you, all this time I thought getting stuff done through other people was all about leadership. And it turns out that there's some, there's actually some truth to it. That's traditional leadership. That's the leader follower mentality that you've probably heard so much about. And so it gets, it gets really, it gets really convoluted when you, when people are talking about leadership, they, a lot of times I'll read articles, they're really talking about management. There was nothing leadership about what they said. And to get me started, go on a, a search engine and search for leadership versus management. You'll find a bunch of, and look at the videos. You'll find a bunch of experts who will tell you what leadership and management are. They're all wrong. They're just, they're convoluted. It's, it's just crazy. They'll say things like, like leadership equal good management equal bad and the the famous cynic says that management really all that is is the manipulation of other people for personal gain as a manager i'm insulted that someone would say that so this idea of, of pitting one against the other or saying, you know, you'll see these posts. Haven't you look on LinkedIn, you know, you see the management on one side of the image and leadership on the other, you know, it says that kind of stuff, you know? So I just looked at Google. Yeah. Almost 3 trillion results for That's leadership all? versus management <laughs> or billion. Maybe it's billion. I don't know. There's a lot of zeros. It, 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 I think it, what, what I find problematic is leadership does have a clear definition 
if we look at it from a historical perspective. So when we, we go into the realm of history and we look mostly at political history, but you know, you could look at military history as well. We have a clear distinction of what leadership is. For example, we can take the McGregor Burns definition, uh, which stipulates that leadership is an arousal process of mobilizing people through a common set of goals to go from point A to point B. Page 26 of Leadership, 1978. And what I love about that definition, and I did paraphrase it a little bit. So, but what I love about that definition is it incorporates the notion of followers. It incorporates the notion of having some kind of, of manipulation or arousal or inspirational component. It incorporates the nebulous notion of politics and how do we have this, this symbiotic relationship between those who lead and those who follow. And it stipulates that we're going towards somewhere, right? You, you don't have a leader simply because there's a title. There has to be some motion, right? And it finally doesn't stipulate efficacy through morality. In other words, you know, the, the age-old cliche that Hitler was an effective leader. Well, he was effective to a point, and then he was really ineffective, Right. And Churchill was highly ineffective. And then he was highly effective when we hit World War II. And you see different contexts where leaders were ineffective versus effective, but absent a morality. Right. We can talk about good and bad leadership, and we should talk about effective and ineffective leadership. But this definition is pretty simple to, to replicate and understand difficult to execute. Yeah, I, I would agree that's a really good traditional definition. I think you start to get in trouble when you try to separate management from leadership. And I, but what I think you will end up with is traditional leadership really is what we think of management. In the last 20 years, there's been a lot of writers that have come out that's done us talk about leadership and their meaning, how they view leadership is definitely radically different. It has nothing to do with leader follower. That's the, that's traditional thinking. And there's, it's okay that there's nothing wrong with tr the traditional leadership per se, but the way they're thinking about it is different. And I've, of the, I, I did a meta-analysis of about 15 books, 14 books or so, which is the basis of the first book. What I found is they define, they see leadership as being first bi-directional. The fact that you're doing it, it not only affects other people, but it affects you. It's a discipline, like a performance improvement discipline, but it's a way, it's, it's helping other people mature and develop their, for the simple term, character, or mature their mental, moral qualities, capabilities, behaviors. That's what the new definition of leadership is becoming. Uh, but don't you, you find that to be, that's a, that to me is like taking on the shrink role. That, that to me is, it, it, we, we can change the terminology all we want. You, 
but we have no real basis for that. There, leadership has been something we can explore and describe. Uh, not, when I use the word historical now, I don't mean history. I just mean in terms of in the past. Mm -hmm. But we can look now historically and we can see examples of leadership in what you just described to, to as a traditional format. But I'm not sure I see a need to change that. The other component to what you just said that I find challenging is the notion that there's not really a distinction between management and leadership. There are times when managers lead, absolutely. And there are times when leaders manage and don't lead, and, right? And, but there's, to me, a difference in, in management is one of executing the vision or the, the, uh, the projects or the, the endeavors that are communicated and, and influenced by the leader. And these managers have to resource things, they have to schedule things, they have to deal with performance issues, they have to have difficult conversations, do ordering, budgeting. And these are all mechanical, tactical things that leaders don't necessarily have to do. They don't have to manage that process. They have lieutenants to do that. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're coming, where you're coming from. And, and there's a lot of sense to that. The difference, the other difference about leadership and management, management management's a role. You, it's something that you assign to someone. Yeah. When leadership is not a role, but it's, I view it and the way I've researched it is it's a practice. It's a way of applying something to your role to make it better. I could, the, the challenge I have with traditional management would, and, and maybe you can pull up, you start thinking of bad leadership, good leadership. I don't believe there's any such thing as bad leadership. It's just, you just either do it or you're, or you're not doing it. But think about command and control. I can get, and I've seen this in companies where executives have used command and control to get things done at the expense of the employees. And I've seen a lot of turnover. I've seen a lot of people stressed, a lot of people hurt because of this style. But the person says, hey, I'm a servant leader. I have the heart of a servant leader. When I hear that, I think either the person doesn't understand what servant leadership is or the person's confessing to being a serial killer and has the heart of a person at home. I'm being a little facetious, but that's, you know, it's, there's not, you know. Well, okay, so I've been quiet because my, I'm sitting back listening and- I thought your mic wasn't working. No, my- uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I usually am not so quiet, right? Um, I was worried. Look, my head's about to explode. So, I mean, these <laughs> distinctions are, are 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 these important? And you know, I guess we can agree. It sounds like we're agreeing that management is about some certain tasks that you do, and part of what a manager does is leadership, potentially. Um, but people who aren't managers can show leadership as well. So what, what, what are the things that a leader does? And it seems to me that when we talk about leadership, we're talking about that interpersonal aspect, right? So what is it that uh, that leader is doing that makes them a leader 
I guess that's the. It, it's very simple. Go back to McGregor Burns. It's getting a group of people to mobilize and go from point A to point B. And whatever manipulative or influential or politically correct terminology you want to use for that mobilization, McGregor Burns uses the word arousal. Although, to be fair, I, I found it in my old edition, the word arousal is there. In the new edition, the word arousal isn't there. So I don't know what happened to it. <laughs> but um, but it's, well, it's, yeah. it's a pretty simple. And, and if you look at Bass, uh, you know, the, the guy who put together the encyclopedia, essentially, of leadership, this definition in its variant forms is repeated over and over and over again. When we look at organizational leadership, for example, you know, we, we can look at Bill Gates, we can look at Steve Jobs. These guys were not nice people in their organizations. Mm -hmm. They scared people. They terrified people. Jack Welch was a terror who basically said, you're fired if you aren't in the top 20% of the organization or top 80% uh, of the organization, you're just fired. And this created fear amongst people because you, you could perform really well and the whole company could do well and you'd be out. So there, there, there are tremendously successful by financial standards, by board and Wall Street standards, even by consumer standards of leaders uh, yielding effective outcomes. So, so we're in the L&D field, right? And uh, I guess one of the things, one of the reasons we're talking about leadership development is we're talking about uh, improving or enabling people to lead. So first question, are we going to train people um, to be jerks, to be, <laughs> to be, you know, oh, I can use worse words, <laughs> you know, to be this kind of person? Well, that leads that way, the way. Well, this is about. exactly my argument that we should stop even thinking about this. Well, we shouldn't well, even bother anymore. We should talk about what is going. What are the things we need in our organization today that are going to help us advance forward in a way that's aligned with what our aspirational values are? And if we talk about leadership, it's pretty nebulous. But could we talk about how do we enhance the overall well-being of our company and our employees? We can, and we can define that. And we can de design and then deliver development for executives and senior managers on how to focus on enhancing the well-being of employees. We can teach them how to do financial and strategic decision making. Well, let's forget. Let's forget all the. Uh, let's forget all the non-people aspects here about doing a budget and all that. Let's talk about the people side because that seems to me to be. Well, you can't do that. You can't do that, Will, because now you're, you're taking a sliver of what you are going to ascribe to as leadership, and leadership is more than that. Well, I'm not too sure. I'm not sure that's, that's correct, because, again, it's it, the, the, how you define it, and if you're, if you're going to define it as helping or getting things done through other people, the art of doing that, then you know, that's, to me, that's what management is. And the new thing, the hot thing right now in the 21st century is anyone could lead. Okay, if that's true, 
then the definition starts to fall apart. The traditional definition starts to fall apart. What, when you're, if you, if you, if you, if you can't get beyond that, I, I can't mm. help you. But that's wait, a tautology. Wait, 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 wait. That's a tautology, Gary. That's just if we change the definition, <laughs> then then we can get people to fit it. Well, is basically wait, wait. what that argument says. Well, 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 does it does that when we say anybody can lead? Yeah. Are we saying anybody can lead all the time or anybody can lead at least part of the time? Because that seems uh, an oh. argument maybe worth having. Yeah, part of the time. And I'll I'll give you I'll give you an example of a team that is practicing leadership without authority. And I've I've seen this happen. I actually I actually was the temporary manager for a team of six people. And what what happened? Did you get fired? Oh, well, about? yeah, eventually I got fired, but <laughs> it wasn't because of that team. It had nothing to do with that team. I, I'm just joking. <laughs> so here's the thing is they were all in a room and I witnessed something incredible. What I did was I presented a problem. I don't even remember what the problem was. One person would speak and say, well, why don't we think about doing this? Everyone around the table started inquiring and trying to understand what that person meant and pull it out. That one person was leading while everyone else was, if you had to use the word following or trying to more accurately, trying to learn what's going on. Then suddenly another person would start talking and say, well, have, let's consider doing this. Then the role would switch. This is something that Southwest Airlines did a lot and, and, and it's documented in their book called Nuts the if by Friedman and Friedman, Freeberg and Freeberg, they would it would be an interchange between who's leading the conversation and everyone else trying to understand and interpret what that is. So you had this leading, following, going back and forth, or leading and inquiring. But now so we're just talking about good facilitation skills. I, well, okay. again, it's a it's a bit reductive of of what leadership is, right? I well, mean, if if we're going to reduce the concept of leadership to simply being a good facilitator or or being able to get people to uh, listen, well, I'm not sure that that goes far enough. Yeah, I agree. That that was just one example, but like like any language the meanings change. And that's something that we're finding with leadership, whether we like it or not, what people are drawn to and what's becoming more, it's coming more of the norm for leadership is not about getting other people to do things, but it's about other people and helping them develop both mentally and morally. But who's, so that's, who's that's like the servant leadership example. Who who's yeah. making that decision? Who 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 to to morph the way we mm -hmm. think about this? I, I I'm not totally sure we see that distinction. Other than in the West, we have a politically correct notion that that everyone can lead. We have a politically correct notion that everyone should lead. We have a correct uh, politically correct notion that everyone can be developed. We have a politically correct notion that everyone should be developed. Um, 
these these are these are just ideas that seem to to fit uh, a political paradigm but i'm not sure they align in the way we have either researched leadership view leadership uh, historically over time or uh, in a way that is useful for us as we start to consider how do we uh, fill in the bench strength of our organizations or look at who's going to be on the next uh, Congress or who's going to be our next president or on the Supreme Court. So Matt, um, I don't really understand what you're fighting here. So uh, uh, let's, let's, let's talk about some skills that might be uh, included normally uh, in what we, when we think okay. of leadership. Well, for, first, let's take a step back and clarify what I'm fighting for. First of all, I'm not fighting for us to eradicate this idea of leadership. I'm advocating for sure. us to leverage a definition of leadership, uh, 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 one of the many that have been identified to have some research paradigm behind them, a research-aligned view of, of leadership. Peter Northhouse has put together an excellent collection of 19, I think it might be 18, models that have some research alignment to them, and people can pick and choose from that list if they want and align to them. Um, we have some common definitions of what leadership means, and uh, based on historical, psychological, sociological paradigms, and we should probably stick to those. But more importantly, what I'm advocating for is I don't see any point in even going through this exercise because it's still too nebulous. If I'm trying to do training and I want to see a return on my, my investment, and I don't just mean financial, then I would like to have clarity on what it is I'm teaching, why I'm teaching it, and what kind of impact it's going to have in the organization. And concrete things are pretty easy for me to identify. We put people through research leadership development all the time. In fact, last year we spent, I think, uh, according to ATD, we spent $14.5 billion. I'll put the correct number into the uh, episode notes. It's a uh, lot. But it's a lot. And we have absolutely no idea what the return on that is for a myriad of different reasons, but that's a ton of money without clarity of any efficacy. But if we can call from that things that are going to be more effective and useful to, to, uh, to the progression of the organization, that's a lot cleaner and easier to measure, which I would think you as a measurement guy will would like. Well, I mean, I, I'm not sure why you assume that uh, you like measurement. The, the leadership. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure why you think that leadership uh, is not focused on specific competencies. Give so me a example, couple. Give me a couple. Okay. Um, give me one. Give me one. Persuasion. Okay. Persuasion. Uh, persuasion. Great but I can give you examples of leaders who have been effective who were not using persuasion skills. Well, but, but those are all anecdotal things. And they're not anecdotal, they're historical. And we have several examples. And, and, and how do historical you- Historical is anecdotal. How do you regress from uh, any of this stuff that persuasion is, is uh, correlated to leadership? We know that it's about influencing, but specific persuasion skills that you would teach. Yeah. How do you correlate that those specific skills that you're teaching that you claim are connected to leadership influence are indeed so? You know, you it's, 
it's interesting you brought up the influence because I, I, if anyone who's studied leadership knows this, that John Maxwell is famous for saying leadership is influence and nothing more, nothing less. Well, the reality is the definition of politics is influence. So he, you know, it's, it's, it's a simple way of thinking about leadership, but it doesn't, you know, it's, it's really hard to distinguish that from politics just by the word influence. Well, okay. You know? I, I mean, I mean, but know, that's, you know, I, I, it's I, flaky. What, what it's are flaky. people, I mean, we've got leadership training. Things happen in leadership training. They're designed for, to teach certain things. Um, you know, whether we have a big, broad definition or not, we know that this is generally about teaching managers to, uh, you know, organize, motivate, and move people um, to work together toward a common goal or a common set of goals. That's pretty basic. And then, so there's certain things we teach in there. We teach uh, listening skills so that the, the leader person who would lead can listen and understand where his or her people are coming from so that he or she can frame. You want to call that leadership? That's everybody's skills. Yeah, there's, well, there's something. That's to, everybody. There's something to that. I mean, some of the newer stuff is training people on psychological safety. And that gets the psychological safety is removing fear and replacing it with respect and permission. And that's the- uh, um, We don't I have, we Timothy. don't, Gary, we don't have psychological safety on this podcast. I think it's- You're an idiot, Will. <laughs> <laughs> no, You're an idiot, Will. I can't believe you were born. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, go back, go back to Google and the famous article written about, about them and the big distinguishing- element of or or whatever you want to call it variable that made teams successful were the ones that practice psychological safety being able to openly express what what you're experiencing and if you look at the research on Gary how are those studies designed yeah you'll Go back to you. Just go back to the stuff on Google. I can't. I can't tell you off the my top of my head about how they did the research. So, my, but this is a problem because lots of studies are claimed that when you start pulling the skin of the onion away, their designs are poor. Mm. They lack good factor analysis. They don't do any kind of regression analysis. There's no control study to quote Will, where's the AB? Yeah, right. And these studies are just often anecdotal or vendor driven. So so we 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 have to be careful when we make a claim that psychological safety is an inherent trait to teams self-leading. Well, but we 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 don't don't we're we're you know you we can't we can't have a debate about the science of psychological safety just you know throwing it out here then the three of us have not read these studies in the last you know little bit maybe that's Gary. why i ask well right but so you know uh I, let me let me share a study with you okay uh is this the one that i attacked last time yeah yeah the one you attacked yeah okay 
right on our warm up thing. So this yep. is a, a meta analysis uh, from researchers at Rice University and the University of Central Florida, 2017. Leadership training, design, delivery, and implementation of meta analysis. So they looked at, uh, and I forget how many studies there were, but there over uh, 335 uh, scientific studies they looked at. And uh, what they found, uh, and let me find the quote here. Um, uh, Mind you, these are Texans and Floridians. So it's <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Ooh, now, now we're going to lose our you know, good people to listen to us down there. Uh, data from uh, these 335 independent samples suggests that leadership training is substantially more effective than previously thought, leading to improvement in reactions. Those are yes. the smiley sheets, improvements in learning, improvements in transfer, and improvements in results. The strength of these effects differ based on various design, delivery, and implementation characteristics. And but what was my critique of that? Uh, you argued that this was uh, just management training. And what do they say? Uh, they said they included, well, what was interesting is these researchers say that leadership is part of management. And without explaining how, or wow. what they mean by that, or what is measured as leadership versus management. So in other words, they're, they're, they're essentially showing feedback on a bunch of experiments that looked at management training, some leadership training with very little differentiation between no. the two. Well, right. They, they, they include all of these things together because they say that manage leadership training or leadership is part of management. But they, again, don't differentiate what's what. That's true, but when we're worried, you make a statement that leadership training is ineffective. Here's evidence that suggests that it's very effective. It may not include uh, just the interpersonal kind of uh, stuff that we're talking about as specifically leadership, not management, but leadership training in general, according to these scientists, uh, is effective. Well, I am all in favor of, of effective management training. So if we want to cease the semantic debate, if, they, if we take the training that they've identified as successful, I'm all in favor of supporting good and well-designed training in that, that vein. Is that leadership training the way uh, we think about it with regard to McGregor Burns or other historical uh, thought leaders i don't, I don't know no, i don't care about i don't care about definitions let's talk the reality is we're doing something and we have a definitional problem we have a, a major definitional problem when an organization calls a consultant and says i need leadership training why do you need leadership training because we need to backfill our our bench or our leaders are weak in making decisions and they hire a vendor to come in with their off the shelf leadership course that that opens with think of a great leader in your life and why did you like them okay so let's do like Myers-Briggs you know 
Oh no, no! <laughs> oh, there, Will's head just blew up. Yeah. Let, let me let me say this. Let me say from a practical perspective, um, I'm going to bring in Don Kirky. Ah, a, we all love Don. Yeah, yeah he's a good. Don. He's a oh good. He's a good friend of mine. Um, I've known him for about 20 years now, and he he was talking about leadership at Lowe's, where he was a director there, leadership director. And he said to me, Gary, here's the reality. We call this stuff leadership training. We call it leadership training because we would not be able to get the directors and the VPs to show up if we called it management training. So again, when you think of the, your traditional definition about getting a, the art of helping, the art of getting things done through people, and if you accept that that's leadership, which I also say is management in a traditional sense, then there's, there's not, it's not a bad idea to help people when they get promoted to the role of supervisor or frontline uh, manager to be able to learn what it means to lead a team or to be in charge of a team and to help them get things done. Now, see, that's really interesting because what that suggests is that we in L&D, if we're going to show leadership, we are probably using our persuasive skills if we call it leadership training rather than management training. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and by the way, I have no and, and problem if we want to manipulate people by calling it leadership or call it a sunflower training, call it love grub training i don't care what you want to call it but love from grub. a th from love a grub. i just made that up i love it That's from a back. theoretical standpoint as as learning architects we should be clear on that that's what we're doing and and frankly i have a values-based problem when i look at the person sitting in our white house right now and we have people who are identifying him as an effective leader I have a problem that we are not educating people properly on what leadership is. Oh, it's, it's confidence. It's bluff. It's, uh, you know, yes, it's, it's, uh, it's really good hair. It's lying. It's, it's all sorts of problems and, and forget the, forget the, the moral versus amoral thing. He's been an ineffective leader and we have at least 43% of our U S population willing to elect him into office again. This is a major problem. We are not educating people on the distinctions of what effective leadership is versus ineffective leadership because well, we watered down the definitions. Well, I, I don't. Well, I, I would, I, I, would I, I would actually <laughs> argue that I would argue that back to my original point, we're mushing up the terms management and leadership where they overlap. I agree with you. And, well, but, and you know, and but if the, if that's what if that's how you want to approach it, then okay. But you know, when when you start bringing in politics, that has a whole different. That's like introducing a new animal, and then and then saying, "Oh, this is leadership." The art, well, of, you so, know. So I, I want to I, I want to get beyond the all right. current administration here for a minute. Good, because that's going to cloud all our brains. 
uh, with the dark, dark, <laughs> we need dark a, We clouds. need a few more hours if we're going <laughs> to, yes. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, okay, so Matt, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you something here a little bit, a little. Yeah. Little, you're going to, you're going to. You're gonna, oh, I mean, you're, I you're think, gonna educate me. I no, 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 no. I, that's impossible. Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but look, I think what you're arguing. Let me, let me, let me draw out this one thing that you're arguing that I think makes a lot of sense. This is the so, same guy who attacked Milton Friedman the other day as ruining L and D. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a different. We should. We're gonna have a whole podcast on that. Future. I don't think we're gonna go anywhere with that. We agree. Oh, okay. We'll invite somebody. Yeah. Um, uh, look. In some sense, um, we're not from a practical standpoint. We're not really a hundred percent sure about all the factors that make a good leader. Okay. But we have some educated guesses. And clearly, we put some of these educated guesses into our leadership training programs, and we seem to be getting reasonably good results. No, we're not. On the, on the whole. We don't, we don't get good results. We do get good results. 335. For management training. But when we call out from that, what is distinguished as leadership development. No, that's and your... Look up Jeffrey Pfeffer's <sighs> works. Pfeffer has done excellent collective reviews of the literature on leadership development, its efficacy, and then to leadership outcomes. So, so we, we have clarity uh, in some of the literature that says we are but, not getting outcomes. Well, look, the, 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 the thing that I want to get across is that, uh, Yes, we don't know specifically. There's more science to be done to figure out, um, you know, what causes what, what are the factors that make leaders effective and given certain contexts, because it could be in one context and do something and it works in another context that doesn't work, another time and place, et cetera, another group of people, et cetera. Um, but we, we need to know a lot more about that. But at the same time, uh, the alternative is we can't wait for you know perfect knowledge. So we have to create something now. And it looks like what people are doing is reasonably effective. Now we can do better and look at the science to see what aspects of the leadership, you know, Gary brought up the psychological safety. <laughs> Maybe that's super important um, and something we ignored you know, 20 years ago. Um, so there's, a, there's, there's more to learn, but just don't wanna throw the baby out with the bathwater. We have a problem, though, Will. In any other part of our organization, we would not be allowed to spend $14.5 billion collectively across the U.S. In one on year. An, in one year on an endeavor that's, that's iffy at best. No other department in an organization would be allowed to expend this kind of money that companies spend on leadership development. You, leadership you development. know, I, I'm, I'm hearing a a cry for another study, another meta-analysis. Is that from the, the cat I hear? That's I hear from the cat. Yes, that's from the cat is crying I, out for it. I have cats and they, they want to interact and, and take over the conversation, but that's, I serve cats. That's the reality. <laughs> but but here's, here's the thing is that there, there probably is an opportunity to do some more meta-analysis on these different programs. 
you know, and find out what is effective, what isn't effective, if you can get if you can get companies to divulge that information. Well, that brings so, up another question. Well, Are companies even interested in knowing? That, look, this meta-analysis that, okay. that you guys are ignoring has some very specific recommendations. It says- Yeah, do management training. It says, resist the temptation to think that leaders cannot be trained. Evidence suggests yeah. that they can. Conduct a needs analysis. They find ah. programs that conduct a needs analysis do better than those that don't. It says use multiple delivery methods when possible, not just one method. In other um, words, all the good research instructional design things. But I want to know, go back to the point where they say leaders, leadership can be trained. Look, what are you training? Let me, let me, let me, people are going to want to uh, review the tape. So let me just do all of the list okay. and then we can go back. We don't want them to search for it. There's going to be 30 seconds of good content. Here's the second. Half go for it. it. Wait, so will that 30 seconds begin after you stop talking? <laughs> Psychological safety, my friend. All right. Uh, fuck so, safety. <laughs> did you say that? <laughs> you can't say that on our podcast. We got, we got to put yeah, a warning I, on I, it now. You didn't do I the hit warning. the warning. I hit the right. warning button. It's on all, all our... Right. Point number four, they say, use caution when spending additional resource, resources on 360 degree feedback. Evidence indicates that it might not be uh, uh, it might not be more effective than single source feedback. Provide multiple training sessions that are separated by time rather than a single mass training session. That's the space learning effect, learning science. Um, use caution when implementing self-administered training. People who try to learn leadership development on their own apparently don't do as well as those who have an external, uh, internal or external trainer support them and consult with others outside of your field to ensure that the program is both evidence-based and practically relevant. Maybe that's your point, Matt. Um, and finally, number eight, ensure that the program is designed appropriately according to the desired outcome using the guidelines provided below. And there's a bunch of things. That was 30 seconds, 30. That's it. Okay. Uh, folks, you just go back okay. on the tape. Yeah. Yeah, you, you bring up a couple of things that are really important that I, I think are worth addressing. And one is talking about, you, you mentioned 360 feedback. And this is a thing that if anyone knows of Don Toasty, it it, drive, it drove them nuts because it's just, it's like if someone did a 360, they'd have all this information, but you have to have someone administer it that knows what they're doing and knows how to manage that feedback to the person that's receiving it. But I'll, I'll, let me let me back up. Leadership, you have leadership training, which is great. There's this other realm called leadership development, which is more individualized. This is where you use the learn, do, assess, where someone goes through an experience, learns something about leadership or even really good management, if you wanted to mix it in there as well, which may be important, but then you go through an assessment. How am I doing on these specific behaviors? Gets feedback and then uses that feedback, especially if it's administered properly, to modify, change behaviors, or even, and this is a goldsmith thing, even apologize when the feedback says that you, you're, you hurt some people in the process of 
how you perform. So th there's, you learn, do, assess, and over and over and over again. That's, that seems to work really well for individuals. It's a little bit more challenging if you're just gonna do training with no assessment and no feedback. I, th I think those, that those parts are very critical. So go, go Matt. I, I think the suggestions that Will read are very good. Hmm. And these suggestions seem to apply to any form of training or development we design and do. The two or three that are very specific to leadership are, um, I agree with the notion that you have to be clear that you're using evidence-based topics and evidence-based research-aligned content. Um, what I find troubling is the notion that leadership is contextual. What worked in one situation uh, with a group of leaders doesn't work tomorrow. So reliability. And, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and without so, reliability, you don't have validity. And without any of that, you don't have predictability. In I other learned words, all that from Will. Yeah, I know. And that's why I'm shocked always when he argues with me when I use his ideas to make these points. But <laughs> he's is getting hey, old. A, a foolish consistency <laughs> is a hobgoblin of small minds or something like that. <laughs> but this is highly problematic to me when we start to think about the that we're trying to train something in a way that enables us to predict who will be good at it, that if they do these things, they will be good at it, and that these things will work in the context we, we've identified back on the job. And this is, this is different than if I'm trying to train people how to have a conflict conversation uh, to manage one, or I'm trying to train people how to negotiate, or I'm trying to train other complex interpersonal skills. Those I can give you processes where we can maximize the likelihood you will do better, right? But with leadership, the level of context is so integral to whether something is efficacious that it's really hard to predict that if I train these things, it'll work tomorrow. And over and over again, we see examples where what worked here won't work there. And in organizations, you still have that same problem too. What worked in this setting, in the same company, won't work two minutes later in that setting. Well, so yeah, much. but you know, at some level, uh, to make things doable, we have to generalize a bit. Now, you know, it makes sense to me that if we are training sales managers, leaders of sales people, that we might have a different set of uh, concepts and examples and then if we are doing military leaders or we are doing healthcare leaders or we are doing- uh, The know. contexts are even deeper than that, right? Because, because the, the context of, of, of the times, the players, the competition, the, it, it can be one sales context today and a different one tomorrow. Well, and sure. Different but, competencies are going to play differently. Yes, but you know, we we the you, you, what you're arguing for is if we don't understand every micro situation and 
required action, we can't do anything. Well, now you're being reductive because I didn't say micro. I'm not talking about these little mini things. I'm well, talking nano, about micro, mini, <laughs> whatever you want to use. <laughs> I'm talking about major contextual shifts are present all the time. And so you can't say psychological safety is going to be effective all the time. And and we well, may even well, have well, a problem well, arguing okay. it's true Let's, some I of the time. Well, okay, but wait a minute. Uh, we can take, we got to play the averages, right? And, you know, if psychological safety is found through scientific research to create benefits more of the time than less of the time, it might be worth it to you, you encourage keep people change, to use that. You keep no? changing the rules, Will. You, you, you keep changing the rules, of, but you practical versus what you you it, we have no way of evaluating in this we sense. Do. We well, do. We... Hold on, Matt. You just you you're you're saying two things. Maybe. You just said okay. You just said <laughs> there's no way of evaluating, but then earlier you were talking about how all this training there's no reliability. In one situation, it works, and another it doesn't. No, no, no. There's, what I'm, I, what I was yeah. saying is there's no way to evaluate that what Will is saying predictably will work every time because no one's willing to do it. We don't have the evaluative feedback. We don't have companies that are willing to invest in longitudinal studies. Huh? We, don't, yeah. we don't have companies that are willing to say, I'm going to invest two years of your time for a development program and then let's see how you do. We, we don't have we, examples well, we, of we, people like- uh, this, is, this is one meta-analysis that I plucked out. It's 335 different studies there. So clearly people are looking at this. Of management skills. Those are but not back, leadership skills. And that back, are separate. It, it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning. How do you distinguish management from leadership? And if you are accepting like the- Mary Parker Follett definition of management is the art of getting things done through people, then, you know, that's, it, it, it gets, it gets muddy. Look, I am totally but going to okay. use this literature review to sell my management program. Excellent. Right. This is a great literature review for, for distinguishing why we should invest in good management development. But again, it's it's a semantic thing to say leadership and management are are uh, uh, one of the same, which is essentially what this is this review is doing. Well, but wait yeah, a minute. Remember, think, remember what so. a meta analysis does. It takes uh, many many other studies. Now these other yeah. studies have looked at specific aspects. They've not just looked at leadership training. They've looked at okay, we're going to have leadership training that either teaches this or doesn't teach this, that it does it this way or does it that way. So all, th this is a meta-analysis of, of many, many studies. Mm -hmm. And so there are people that are looking at what works and what doesn't work. Great, pull those up for me. I mean, you, 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 you pulled this up to attack my argument, but now you're saying, okay, but there are other ones that'll attack your argument better. Pull those up then. You want to go through all 335 of them? <laughs> no, I just, I, it's not on me to, to uh, prove my point when you're attacking it. You, it's on you to attack it, but you're using a review that 
that is mostly about management development. You don't know that. You, 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 they they say it. They say we don't distinguish between them. No. You keep reading that. They, they, they do distinguish, but they put they lump them all together for the purpose of this thing. But that doesn't help us in, in understanding the 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 uh, outcomes of the data analysis. So, OK, let's move forward, because I don't think we're going to resolve the history of the uh, the future of the world uh, with regard to leadership development. But do we? have a way of doing this effectively. And I say we do. I say that we can, that one approach would be to remove from the lexicon leadership entirely and focus on understanding the needs of the organization in the moment. If we have a group or a cohort of people that need to learn certain skills in order to solve specific business issues, we can identify those and we can construct development for that problem at hand. And we can have a much better likelihood of return on, on our time investment or learning investment or financial investment and so forth. But to generically say we're going to improve leadership, we're not getting the bang for our buck. Yeah, well, let me, let me put, uh, bring this one thing in. I, and it's, maybe it's complimenting, Matt, what you were just talking about. Companies have brought me in to do an analysis of their frontline middle managers, how they're performing, and compare it to where they need them to be. So I did a whole bunch of interviews with the executives to find out what, where, where the challenges are, where they need to be in the future. And then I did a bunch of focus groups with the managers, their bosses, and another focus, you know, not different levels in different interview, different focus groups. And I came up as a result for this or for one organization in particular, about four things that their people with the management title were doing that was actually harmful to the organization. And it was, it was very specific what they did with that study. It was like that, that results, I think it was like this crazy 90 page document I did for different audiences. So your part may be 20 pages. What they did is they said, okay, we're going to develop some training based on trying to reduce this gap and try to, uh, and the measure, you know, later on, are we effective at doing this? Is this getting us to the 22nd year 2022 or whatever year that particular company was looking for? But there to your, I think to your point, one point that you're trying to make is that if there's legitimate business needs as it relates to what people in management do that could be improved, let's figure out what they are, what the gaps are, what's the difference between someone who's exemplar and someone who's not exemplar, and what are the few things that they could do to bring up the bulk of their management to become like the exemplars. And, and this is what I would, I love the idea of bulking up good management skills. And, and if they bleed over into leadership, I don't care. Yeah. I don't need to distinguish that. I don't care. Call it whatever you want, but most management skills are more concrete 
And if everyone got better at doing that, doing those skills, most companies and businesses and organizations would perform better. I agree. And so I, I still feel that this idea of leadership is a bit nebulous and vague and hard. And we have definitional problems, as we've already talked about. We also have uh, problems of measurement, which we've talked about, but we still have a, a problem around the values and behaviors that we identify as leadership, like integrity, whatever the hell that means, or when and things like this get now fuzzy and you see constantly over and over again, what is taught in the class around values and behaviors are aspirational and the actual current leadership don't do or practice those. And so you get a lack of reinforcement in the business for what gets taught. And this becomes problematic. Yeah, when you get to the competency level or the quality level or whatever, you're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> I, I've, I had, I did a couple of, of dug into LinkedIn where someone would ask in a group, what is leadership? And they would start listing off honesty, integrity, blah, blah, blah. I just two groups. I identified 275 terms, traits, qualities, whatever you want to call them. And list, actually list them in my book that what people say, this is leadership, these things, and got rid of the duplicates. And there was like 275. I mean, it was some crazy amount. So the, I think what it comes down to is, and just what some right, pulling from what you said, getting at the behaviors you want to change, not focus on competencies, but focus on specific behaviors right. and change those. And whether you call it management training, leadership training, or call it whatever you want, you know, I, that's okay. I, but from our perspective, as the people who are theoretically thinking about this in the field, I think we need to make some distinctions and have clarity on how we think about this. And, and right now it's way too vague. It's yeah. just way too vague. Um, and contrary to this literature review, which again, I really like, I'm thrilled you found this will, because I think it, it adds a tremendous amount of, of value in our understanding of the efficacy of, of management training, and perhaps some of the things that we ascribe to leadership development. And I'm good with that. The well, you know, as you guys have been talking, I've been um... changing your mind. I've been reviewing this literature review. So you're not listening to us. I, no, I care. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah. you guys are just droning on. That's the way I like to take in my podcast. Just listen in the background. <laughs> Reading uh, the newspaper. Comforting, you know, because I, you know, I have interpersonal. My new Bernard videos. Cornwell novel came in. <laughs> <laughs> so what they did in this meta-analysis, which I didn't highlight before, was they divided the kind of content into four areas. Mm. One were uh, called business content. Uh, Matt, that would probably be your, you know, you know, some of the managerial mm -hmm. things you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the hard one was One was intrapersonal content. So how to get along with other people. One was um, uh, interpersonal, intrapersonal. I guess that's about yourself. And one was leadership content specifically. And uh, interestingly, 
uh, when they, and again, remember they're sort of indexing this based on the Kirkpatrick four levels. Um, so results, transfer, uh, you know, learning, et cetera. Um, and they've sort of found mixed results. So for, for the results for level four, programs with leadership content produce significantly greater effects than business content. Uh, those including intrapersonal content were significantly more effective than programs including intrapersonal and business content. And programs including interpersonal content were more effective than business content. So for the results part, uh, it looks like the business content, the managerial stuff is not as important as some of the other things that we might relate to the leadership area. Now that's for results. Now they found sort of the opposite results for transfer and learning, which is like now really exploding my head because I'm not sure how to reconcile all that. But I think the takeaway is that this stuff is complicated and uh, we still need to dig down and find out, given the particular situations and our learners, what kind of content is going to work best for them. That's all I'm saying. Oh my God, we could have started this. <laughs> oh, kumbaya, kumbaya. All I'm saying is give peace a chance, you know? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> See, we do so, have psychological safety. Finally, so people who have made it this far through this <laughs> angst ridden podcast episode finally can feel. Will doesn't like conflict. Um, Will has issues with conflict. Well, well, you you agree to disagree. Yeah, we we Con really don't. Conflict is we a... really don't. What irritates me is we actually agree on all of this. He just won't. He he just won't acknowledge it because oh, no, I, I don't we... I don't understand it. Other than the fact that I used to be a leadership trainer when I was younger, <laughs> I, I, I don't. <laughs> don't remind me that I was younger. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really understand his argument. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? One interesting thing is we haven't talked about it, but you know, if we're going to be good learning architects, we should probably start with the end in mind, right? What? What? Ooh. How would we measure leadership training effectiveness, right? Or leadership development? Yes. Thank you. So, Gary, any ideas for us? How to measure this awful beast? Yeah. Back back to what I was originally saying, the learn, do, assess. I'm not talking about the big picture, but when you get to the individual, I have found and I've seen, seen it done by a lot of people, the 360 does work. But the trick is you have to have someone administer it and know how to present it to the person being 360'd if that's a word, and develop, identify one or two things that that person could work on, you know, and, and then you would do more and so forth. I think so, that's great. I think we could hand out buttons after our leadership training programs. I've been 360. Do, uh, <laughs> 360. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, well, I think, I think that's absolutely right. I think we need to really be clear on why we're training people. And that, that's, again, why I'm, I'm not advocating to remove development at all. I'm advocating that we get really specific about what it is we're developing and why we're doing it. And that's all I'm advocating for. Well, to go, to go back to the measurement thing, I do, um, when 
you know, people come to me, talk about evaluation and, um, when they are evaluating leadership training programs, I always tell them they have an extra opportunity that they might not have thought of. Because uh, typically, you know, we're pretty lazy when it comes to learning evaluation. We default to uh, smile sheets, see our previous episode on that discussion. And we ask the learners themselves whether they learned and developed, et cetera. Um, but when you're doing leadership development, you have to ask yourself this question. Who knows how good a leader is or whether a person has improved as a leader, as a manager? Um, does that person know or do they have blind spots themselves that they might not see what they should see? Does their manager, the manager of the manager, do they see? Probably not because they're not seeing that person in one-to-one -one, uh, conversations, dialogue, uh, when they're influencing uh, affecting their direct reports. The people that see how well a leader is doing are uh, the followers or the in terms of management. The direct, direct reports. reports. Yeah. So I tell people you have an opportunity here to get feedback from the direct reports themselves. You can do a before and after. You can, you know, the best leadership programs are done over time. You can look at how people progress. Um, so that's an opportunity to set out, and I wouldn't do that as your only metric, but it is an extra opportunity when you're dealing with leadership development. I think one of the big tricks, again, is a lot of times development is, is about being able to predict who in your cohort is going to be able to lead, and then pr predicting that if we teach these things, they're going to be better at that. And the real issue is that leadership often doesn't get defined as having been leadership until it's been done. Leadership is time bound. It's historical. Uh, you cannot claim that someone is leading until after they've done it. And, and which is a paradox when it comes to how we think about it developmentally, you know, the, you don't, again, you, you don't in the moment say this person is effectively leading until it's post done where with management, we can often in the moment look at the process they're using and, and qualify that as well as different outcomes. Uh, leadership is a bit more time bound. You, you know, Matt, I, I think someone should write a book about that. Oh, wait, someone did. You uh, wrote a book about it <laughs> on that particular topic. Yeah. Yeah, about the time. What we'd like to do now is to sell you some books. <laughs> but, Gary, but Gary two on leadership. Will didn't one. read my book. I read. Oh. I read. He part didn't. Of your book. You. You said you fell asleep in the first chapter uh, when I talked about monkeys and sex. Well, I missed that part. Monkeys and sex. It's right in the first page. Oh no! Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> Talking no, about I, blind spots. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, no, I actually I don't talk about monkeys and sex. I talk about uh, Noah Yuval Harari's uh, concept that um, he, what distinguishes human beings from all other species on the planet is our ability to collaborate in very large numbers and to adapt in large numbers. And, I, and what makes that doable or possible, he says, is humans' abilities to create narrative. 
Um, and so our ability to tell stories is one of the ways in which we're able to collaborate together and, and to adapt. And I extrapolate that to say, well, the way we coordinate those stories is ultimately through leadership. And so leadership then is essentially a story. Now, what does that mean? And so my whole book is exploring what constitute the leadership story, what constitutes it, leadership being a story. And so- uh, well, which, which comes a, first, the leader or the story? The story, actually, I would argue. I would argue the story. So should we teach how to tell a good story in our leadership? Actually, programs? this is in the, my final chapter where I, I say, absolutely. I think actually one good component, if we were going to target leadership development, specifically as leadership development, one consistent thing would be how do we market ourselves and, and construct the stories. But it, there's some wonderful uh, analyses of Ronald Reagan and how Ronald Reagan uh, created this whole narrative of his life that actually was non-existent. The evidence of, of the stories where he would save people from drowning and he, he created this whole heroic narrative of his life. And many of the things that he claimed happened didn't happen, but we're pretty confident that he believed they did, that <laughs> he, he created these false memories or they happened to someone else and he co-opted them as himself. And, and so uh, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to call him a liar because I don't think he was lying per se, but he had created this whole story of his heroism. Um, and then you have the difference of how Republicans today or in the last 20 years view Reagan is very different than the Reagan that was there. And so there was a well, whole new shift in narrative. Uh, yeah, that's the that's persuasion, uh, uh, you know, optics. Um, a very important component to how we evaluate and view leaders. Yeah, we should teach that in we, leadership training. Should be a course about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you take Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson was no. I, I was, was stop, 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 stop. Okay, listen. I am going to uh, apologize to our listeners. And uh, for the fact that we've only used dead white men as exemplars in this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> because, uh, and it's true. We have uh, some of our images of leaders uh, come from past and they uh, may be blinding us to opportunities. No, you uh, are right. Let, do it, can I have the next 32 minutes to talk about Seaman Vale, Indira Gandhi, Angela Merkel, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I, I, Hillary I, I Clinton, know. Margaret I, I, Thatcher. I, yeah, I know. But, Martin Luther uh, King. But even, even those of us who are sensitive to these issues sometimes default to the old well, stereotypes. There's and, actually, and I, there's been some wonderful studies that I wrote about on LinkedIn. Uh, where if you ask a group of people to draw a picture of a leader, men and women, children, uh, they draw white men. Yeah, and, if, and they use male pronouns to describe the leader. Yep. Even if they were thinking of a woman, they will talk about her generically as a him. And in the context of Hillary Clinton, when she was about to win in 2016. She did win. Yep. 
a bunch of women uh, identified her as a him when they would talk about the president generically, even though they were anchored to think about Hillary Clinton in that role. And uh, which is fascinating. So here's another controversial issue. Uh, Gary, uh, is it really ethical to be a leader? I mean, manipulating people. Is that acceptable? I don't, I don't, I don't see, I, I don't, teaching morality is part of leadership. And when, when you're getting to my definition, it's helping others develop morally and mentally. And, but, you know, manipulation, I don't know if I would use that word, but. Um, it's a little strong. It's a little, it's a little, strong. It's a little strong, but but helping people with their perception, with how they view things and giving them a perspective that they currently don't have, you know, that's, that's pretty good. That's a good thing to do. Uh, right now, there's an, there was an opportunity back in July for people to do that. And that was the death of the murder of George Floyd. When he when he was murdered, it's very interesting. You had CEOs writing letters to the public about how horrific this was. And what's interesting is that when you think back to uh, Trayvon Martin, uh, the Zimmerman case, you didn't get those same letters written to the public saying that we can, we, we this is terrible, whatever. And I don't remember when I was in a corporation, working in a corporation, anyone talking about it. But now that you have a lot of you have a lot of talking going on about this particular topic because of George Floyd. What scares me is that I don't think that this conversation is as strong as it was back in July. I'm oh, worried. No. I'm worried that when the next Black American. And in my book, I actually count 141 Black Americans, unarmed Black Americans, killed by law enforcement. No, I thought you were, I have to say, I thought you were pretty gutsy. Yeah. Uh, showed some leadership in putting a chapter about all that in your leadership book. I, what, was your, what was your thinking behind that? I wanted to use my platform to advocate why this is wrong. That was the main thing. It didn't. It wasn't my initial intent to list 141 unarmed Black Americans killed by law enforcement. It's something that that resulted actually from George Floyd. I wrote the book. I gosh, I think about 10, 15 days after Floyd was murdered, and that was that just kept coming up. And I kept. What really was amazing was hearing people that had leadership, not leadership, but had the spotlight thrust on them. They never wanted to have the spotlight. Um, if you're, because I'm in Charlotte, I have to say in NASCAR, Daryl Bubba Wallace is someone who on CNN said, we need to stop having the Confederate flag at our racetracks. We need to end that. But he was, he was t- attacked horrifically by a lot of people. So it's, you know, I'm thinking of survivors of, um, of uh, like George Floyd coming out and doing, talking to Congress 
you know, about how terrible it is. These are people that had no intention of being like that. Mm. But it's, I, that's why funny. I say it, hero ship was thrust upon them. I, I find it really uh, problematic that a lot of these executives, um, after they realized that this was a, a true social movement, uh, and all of a sudden, in the safety of, of oh, I can join along, yep. got up and made all these statements. And to your point, they didn't do that previously. We don't see it happening today, six months later, five months, whatever, three months later. We don't see that. And, and all these guys were called, and they were mostly guys, were called leaders for standing up and guiding their organizations on this. And I, uh, me, I think they were just great at following. Uh, I don't think it took any courage to stand up and lead in that moment. Where were they five years ago? Then I would have called them a leader. Yeah. Where were they 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Well, they, some of them may not have been born. But well, you, you know, I'm just looking at some, I uh, did another Google search because that's what we do here. We do research live on the pod. Um, uh, here's some headlines. Uh, Black Lives Matter support drops 12% over the summer. Black, support for Black Lives Matter dips nine points since June, et cetera, et cetera. So. Gary, it was delightful to have you join us. And, yes, uh, thank, thank you, so you Gary. Hopefully you'll, you'll, you'll be willing to come on again, I hope. If and you will have me. I after the recovery period after. <laughs> yeah we, we we'll let you heal okay and, uh, and then we'd love to have you back on thank so. you so much all right folks we will see you same bat time same bat channel i'm missing one same bat time same bat channel place same bat station station yeah all right take same care bat podcast <laughs>